swag And welcome to another episode of this Artorio and Geek podcast by Webster Style, where we talk about bow ties, comic books, and everything in between. I am your host, Webster Style, and let's get into a very jam-packed show. First and foremost, I want to thank Tia from Dope Black Pods for giving us the shout out on her live last week. I'm really glad you, uh, first and foremost, took the time to listen to the show. But secondly, I'm really glad that you enjoyed the review of the Suicide Squad. Uh, Hopefully you'll like more of what you hear in the future. You can follow Dope Black Pods at Dope Black Pods or... And I should say you should follow Tia directly at Tia Talks underscore. And these are all on Instagram. So that's the introduction. And again, thank you, Tia. And thank you for putting more and more people onto the podcast. I greatly appreciate it. So let's get into the download. Surprisingly, there are no games on the download today. I played a couple new games over the course of the week, but nothing that has really struck my fancy in order to really recommend or that has uh, really engulfed my attention as of late. A lot of things have been very uh, get in, get out, get whatever uh, points I need for the daily both Microsoft Rewards goals and the Game Pass quests in order to rack up more points to continue to not pay for xbox game pass so that's another podcast probably next podcast i'll talk about that but this week i want to talk about two downloads the first of which is quirk chat yes i know what you're saying another social media app but let me tell you this one is created uh by and i forget the young lady's name but it's a uh person of color black female created this app and this is a video social app that is specifically targeted to anime and geek fandom and just a little time i've been on it's just been fun just being able to interact with uh, fellow horror movie fans like myself or just really learning about different anime and comics as well it's been very very fun so if you're looking for something that's a bit more curated to uh, your taste when it comes to anime horror and whatever your fandom is i really suggest you download and check out quirk chat i know it's on the google store and i'm pretty sure it's on the apple store as well if not it's just on android i should say but either way also check them out on instagram at quirk chat to get more understanding or more uh, information about the chat as a whole. So that's the first download. The second download, we're going into the musical genre uh, with one of the most uh, venerated uh, MCs that has ever existed, and that is Nas. Typically, Nas has dropped an album every couple of years. Last year, he dropped The King's Disease. Uh, Before that, his last album, I believe, was the 2018 effort or 2019 effort that was produced by Kanye. And before that, oh man, I forget the name of that album, but that was a good one too. I remember that track with Large Professor and Amy Winehouse. That was a couple years ago. That was like 2016, 2015 when that one came out. So usually Nas is not known for dropping, at least in this day and age, uh, dropping back-to-back albums. But he came out with the King's Disease 2 at the time of this recording uh, this past Friday. And 
I wouldn't say I'm a Nas stan, but I'm definitely a Nas fan. He is one of the few artists that I will consistently go out and buy or download a new album of theirs when they come out. Because even a mediocre Nas album is still better than a lot. Excuse me, better than a lot of hip hop that's out there on any given day. So even the one produced by Kanye was. It was good, but then as you re-listen to it, it's like, eh, it's okay. It's not the best effort from Nas. And considering reading about sort of the production efforts and how quickly it was put together, I mean, I can see that. But it's still, like I said, a mediocre Nas album is better than most projects that are put out from most hip-hop artists, especially current hip-hop artists nowadays. And so I'm definitely recommending that. And it was just so nice uh, to hear Lauryn Hill rapping again on the track. And she's one of, on one of his songs. And probably my standout song, the one I keep re, uh, hitting on repeat, is EPMD2. And it was an EPMD, just EPMD, on his first album, which featured, obviously, uh, EPMD or Eric and Paris making dollars. Well, this one also features EPMD, but also... It features a bananas feature from Eminem. And mind you, Eminem is not an artist. I would quickly go out and buy that album. I probably, I have not purchased an Eminem album since probably his third album or his fourth album. But I will never ever knock how vicious he is on a microphone. Just overall, his body of work is not something that I've wanted to purchase. He, he's got some good. Uh, good songs that have come in over the years but album wise he's just not somebody I'm looking to purchase like that because I just don't feel like his albums are quality enough for me to purchase in, in that way but his verse on this song is completely ridiculous so if you are a hip hop head I highly recommend that you stream really just buy and download King's Disease 2 by Nas so that's it for the download this week let's get into the media and we got all Lots to talk about as of this recording. What's if episode one downloaded? And before I get into the, my actual take on the episode, I read a lot about it and I had heard that the Captain Carter character would be very prominent, would be more or less the linchpin that really kept the series together as one cohesive sort of story. And I wondered how. Because I was really thinking of the older What If comics when I was really heavy in the comics in the 90s. I really enjoyed those What Ifs. I loved the one-offs. So it was really interesting to know that you wouldn't have these. But there was going to be some sort of interlacing of the stories. And I just wondered how. Because I just assumed all of these would be very one-off stories. Well, let me tell you. No. It looks as though, based on the ending of the Captain Carter episode, that they're all happening in their own timeline. At least it looks that way. We shall see once the um, other episodes come up. Let me just give you my general overview. So this episode entitled Captain Carter pretty much takes the premise of what if Peggy Carter received a super serum soldier. I mean, super serum yeah, soldier, super soldier serum, I can talk, instead of Steve Rogers, and she became Captain Carter. So she became Captain Carter, sporting a Union Jack shielding uniform, a la Captain Britain uh, from the comics. And I have to say it was really, it was really surprising how much of the heart and soul 
they really were able to capture between Peggy and Cap, even though their roles were reversed. Now, I'm not going to give you a spoiler for how she became Captain Carter. However, I'll just say that it ended up being Steve was injured. He couldn't go through to the pro- with the process uh, to save things from going amok as we saw in the original Captain America the first Avenger she jumps into the pod and takes a super serum super soldier serum um, he lives and he ultimately teams with Howard Stark and he essentially becomes the uh, Hydra Stomper and I'll let you watch the episode of what that is so you see them continue to have a budding romance even in that universe without Steve being that archetype Man, uh, as you, you would say, that big, strong protector that you would think someone of uh, Peggy's stature, well, Peggy's stature, did fall in love with in that case. But it was very interesting seeing the diminutive and stature Steve really win her over with his heart, with his tenacity, with his uh, caring. So I really liked that. And also, I really liked how. Uh, much as when they pretty much put Steve to the side as a sideshow act, as a, uh, I should say, entertainment for the truth before they let him go out to the field, Peggy was very much relegated to the sidelines, not because they thought she was a sideshow act, but because they really diminished her because of a woman. She has the powers of a little, little god and the fighting skill to match anyone on the planet. But they continue to look down on her because she was a woman and diminish her because of that fact. And seeing that even with this newfound power, she still had to prove herself to certain powers that be. It was really amazing and just really great storytelling um, on the part of the writers really to convey all of that. Um, it really made me want to watch the first Captain America again because I really felt as though it captured a lot of the heart and soul of that movie between the characters, even Bucky as well. And it's just one of those things that again Marvel continues to understand how their characters operate and who their characters are. Where other companies when they bring their characters to the big screen and I say big screen because this is very much a uh, continuation or offshoot of our of their big screen efforts uh, it's like they forget it's like there are too many pots or too many cooks in the kitchen and just they forget what these characters are really like and who these characters really are and Marvel regardless of the medium when it comes to the MCU they continue to impress upon me how well they know the characters that they created. Because even in this offshoot universe, this is still Peggy Carter. This is still Steve Rogers. This is still Bucky. It's still Dum Dum Dugan. All those characters were still the same, even though the circumstances were different. They never strayed from who they really were. And that was very impressive and I will say one of the things I was also I was weary about was the animation. I think that the promotional artwork for the uh, promotional artwork and the commercials or preview trailers just didn't leave me with a good impression of the 
I guess quality of the animation. I guess I should have known better. I just have personally this thing about CGI animation, and oftentimes it doesn't look as impressive as it could. And for whatever reason, this animation, at least from the commercials, really reminded me of the Iron Man show that came on a couple years ago with that young teenage Iron Man and Rhodey. So I was skeptical, but let me tell you, I was very impressed with the animation, how fluid it was. And no, it's not a realistic style. It was very real. Even with the art style they chose, the characters felt living and breathing. I think a lot of that really has to do with the uh, writing and the acting of the episode but just in general the animation made you feel as though these characters were real uh, sometimes in my opinion with computer generated animation like that the characters can really the designs and the somewhat awkwardness at times can really take you out of the story which is being presented so kudos to the animation team for really doing a bang up job with the episode now i am going to get into a light spoiler if you don't want to hear fast forward a little bit just to talk about the interconnectivity of captain carter throughout the rest of the series in five four three two one so at the end, much like when Captain America disappeared in the ice for 70 years and then was thawed out by uh, Nick Fury and what would come, the Avengers with S.H.I.E.L.D., you also had a out-of-time Captain Carter at the end where Red Skull had used a Tesseract to basically summon this technical beast to try to take over the world, if not take over the world, to destroy the world. Well, Captain Carter, with the help of the Holland Commandos and the Hydra Stomper, were able to push back the Tentacle Beast back into the void of the Tesseract. And as a result, she had to push it all the way back in and then the portal closed on her. Fast forward to present day or whenever that was, 2012 or when ha what have you. Uh, you have Agent, excuse me, Captain Carter showing up through another portal in the test rack that is opened up by Nick Fury and Hawkeye standing there as the remnants of the tentacle beast fly out and as does she. Now she is caught with the knowledge that the war is over, it's been over for 70 years and now she has literally stepped foot into the future. So that is how the episode ends with that awakening. No running out in the middle of Times Square like in Captain America, the first Avenger. But you still had this same sort of shock and awe at what had just happened and the new world that Captain Carter has stepped into. Now, I assume that this new world is one world where all of these or at least there's some interconnectivity in this world where all of the subsequent episodes will really take place in or at least stem from. So I am excited to see that. But also, I'm more so excited, I'm assuming, by this inclusion of this thread throughout all the episodes in Captain Carter, that there's going to be some sort of ending for the series. Uh, much like the 
or unlike the comics where the comics as I said before were one-offs which is what I really expected I didn't expect I guess I should as Marvel but an interconnectivity with all of the episodes uh, of this series so I'm interested to see how it ends and if this plays a part in Marvel continuity going forward I, I don't think anybody if it does I don't think anybody's expecting or was expecting that but I'm pleasantly surprised at that possibility so it'll be exciting to see I will say I'm a bit more excited to watch the remainder of the series than I was beforehand for me it wasn't looked at as must-see destination tv like the previous marvel series were but now after watching captain carter I, it's definitely must-see tv for me and not saying that uh, i would say the episode itself was this great feat in animation and acting and storytelling it wasn't but it was good it kept me uh, intrigued and involved throughout the whole episode and it makes me want to see what else they do in this i believe it's nine episode series run so i'm excited for that so that's my take on what if episode one so we did a bit of i guess this is cartoons but all this is based on comics let's talk about something else now this may this opinion or viewpoint may be somewhat controversial controversial to some of you and my opinions aren't meant to offend simply because i have no issues with anybody uh sexual orientation or what have you uh so that's not the issue uh the issue is the perception their perception from the fandom and a perception just of what it looks like to make these drastic changes in established characters uh Okay, let me, let me get back to it. So, uh, a couple episodes ago, I talked about a possibility of a black Superman and how I was vehemently against it because it just felt as though you are lacking creativity in many respects by just changing Superman to be black. And at this point, we were not talking about the alternate black Superman, Val Zard from Earth 2 or any other one. This conversation was very much about Clark Kent being black and i just thought that is was the laziest sort of character twist you can do and that if you wanted to do something like that there are plenty of black characters and characters of color that in this case particularly dc can mine uh, and utilize on the big screen that could have just as much impact in their cinematic universe as a black superman so I, I really disliked it for that. So recently, as of a couple of days ago, news broke that Robin, in this case, the third incarnation of Robin, Tim Drake, is now a bisexual man. Now, I have no issue with anybody being bisexual, gay, trans, whatever. I could care less um, in that regard. And I would say I don't feel like there is a... A gay agenda or anything like that and these conspiracy theories I just feel as though that yeah, more and more people are not ashamed to show who they are 
which is why you have more and more people who identify as gay or lesbian or bi or what have you. Uh, a lot of that stigma, those walls are being torn down as a society. And I think that's great. In this case, you have a character that has literally been established what, 30 years now. Uh, I think Tim Drake was first debuted when... I don't know if I was in middle school or high school, so it's it's been a very very long time. And I, and I will say, um, I've read also that this this sort of or uh, this part of him had been hinted at for a while now by the current writers uh, of the book, and it was just really revealed recently, or will be revealed in whatever book is being published next. But I haven't read a Robin comic book, a Robin a dedicated Robin comic book. Uh, since his original ongoing series and so this is definitely middle school high school so i'm not going to sit here and say i have uh this love affair with tim jake robin i liked him as a character i like what they did with him back in the day and from what i have uh read and seen as far as media um since then i've liked how they've used the character in various um avenues including the comics over the years so for this character to all of a sudden be by it as a fan, even as a casual fan, it comes across as, I want to say pandering, because I understand the need for inclusiveness. I understand how you want to showcase that these heroes are regular people who deal with the same issues. I get it. But much like my uh, position on changing or race swapping characters uh, established characters instead of just uh, promoting and uh, publicizing utilizing characters that are of color instead of just race swapping why not utilize characters that have already been established as being gay, lesbian, by LGBTQ and promoting them or creating new characters and promoting them I, I felt the same way when they said that Iceman from the X-Men was gay a couple of years ago and I just thought that again was just lazy writing especially when you have and in that case man you talking about 50 plus years of history and stories it just felt as though that okay yeah we have no other stories to tell let's get a bit edgy and yada 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 let's make him gay in this case with Robin let's make him bi my, you may not agree with my opinion that's perfectly fine. I, I read many articles and Twitter comments of people thinking this is a great thing about representation and this and that. And that's and I understand that totally. I'm only coming to this for as, as a fan and what it looks like. Just you run out of ideas. There was this, and I forget the, the Batman character, a new character. Uh, that has been prominently featured in the comic books and he is a quote-unquote Batman sidekick part of Batman family and they established very quickly that this individual is bisexual great he's a new character you utilize that you tell those stories with him uh, because they can be new they can be fresh uh, Tim Drake yes I understand he's been a teenager for the past 30 years and understand that there's an evolution of a character but it just feels as though when you take these characters and you have to make these major changes, whether it's their sexual orientation, whether it's their ethnicity, it just seems as though 
as a creator that you've run out of ideas for this character with what the status quo had been. And that just somewhat reeks of laziness. So I'm not upset. I mean, they may tell some really great stories uh, now that Tim Drake is confirmed to be a bisexual man or male. He's really a man if he's a teenager. Who knows? But uh, as it, it, it may work out well. I'm not saying it won't. And I'm not saying that, hey, that's like the worst thing ever. It's not. Uh, it just reeks of, of laziness and lack of creativity. And uh, many individuals in the comic realm are just another example of the their opinion that comics as a whole, especially from the major publishers, Marvel and DC, uh, have really lost touch with the core fan base and are really trying to shift and make changes to pander to a generation that could care less about comics. Um, or not even care less about comics, but pander to people who aren't reading comics, who aren't going to pick up a comic in the first place. There are many people in all different generations that read comic books, and it's just one of those things where is, is this going to drive sales of, of Robin? Who knows? If it does, great. But I'll, I'll remember, I'll say this and I'll end this comment here. I remember back in the 90s when North Star, who is a, a B-grade Marvel mutant, if not C-grade at the time. Um, no one cared about North Star's sexual orientation. No one cared about who he was dating. But when they revealed that he was gay, it was revolutionary at the time. Also, you had a character whose sexual orientation had never really been established. Um, and that is something that someone who read early Alpha Flight with John Byrne and every and Claremont back in the day. So by the time you get to the what early 90s when it was established and North Star was gay, nobody was really surprised uh, with that. And you saw this huge uh, boom as far as the value of that comic. I have no idea what it's, uh, what it's worth nowadays, but it was something it was something that helped to define the character even till you know now North Star is gay North Star, North Star has been gay and writers have been uh, able to write based on that character's sexual orientation uh, it would be really weird if all of a sudden it's like oh no he's straight now I would again feel as though that would be very lazy as a writer you're going to have all this established character identity for this character and then you're going to change it just because you feel like you have no other stories to tell uh, with this character so we're going to change that sexual orientation that's exactly where I feel with Robin is exactly where I feel with Iceman it just seems as though I even felt that way with Poison Ivy even though with the way Poison Ivy has been depicted uh, I would say it made more sense and this is not just a recent development. This is a decades development um, of way she's been depicted in not just comics, but popular media as well. Uh, that bisexuality is not surprising. And if a character that, you know, is kind of what how they've been hinted at over the years, over the decades, that's, that's fine. It's one thing. But for things to literally come out of the blue or I should say have a very quick build up to that uh, for this character just again for me reeks of very very lazy writing 
So that's my take on the whole change of Robin Tim Drake uh, to being bisexual. Not just that, just uh, using sexual orientation as a way to inject uh, notoriety to a character. Because again, I wouldn't have been writing or talking about Robin if I hadn't read this. And it, it does get people talking. It does get people um thinking about these issues and hopefully it gets people to buy the book which is what I hope and now honestly I want people to buy the book because it's a good book not because uh, Robin is now all of a sudden bisexual I'm pretty sure that the team the writer and artists are doing a bang up job uh, with that I've heard nothing but good things about the book as a whole since I've been reading about it and you know they may make this work but in the interim it just reeks of we need something to do in order to inject some life into this character to bring eyes to this book and this is the best we can come up with so it just reeks of laziness for me so that's my rant on that i'm going to take a break and then when i come back i'm going to get very style heavy with what is the cost per wear have you ever thought about how much your clothing actually costs let me explain so you go into a store and you have that item that you want to purchase or online, wherever you purchase your clothing from, and you see that initial cost. And that's what you think of. And you think of that was coming out of my wallet or my bank account. And that's how much it cost me. Well, what does it really cost to wear that item of clothing? And that's what we're going to talk about. The cost per wear. One of the things about building a wardrobe, uh, especially a quality wardrobe, is that you want to really think about how much you're paying for a particular item and how many times you want to get to wear it. That question really becomes a large one when you are dealing with items that are in fashion or even seasonal things, but more so fashionable items that realistically you may not be wearing 30 years from now or even five years from now even two years from now depending on the way trends sort of go back and forth for instance um even for for me if i was still that height and that weight and say i had some things from middle school in the 90s those things are now coming back in style clearly i don't but that's a sort of ephemeralness or meaning that it's here today gone tomorrow uh, sort of uh, notion that fashion is when it comes to clothing so you don't want to be in a position where you're paying say three four years ago you paid 150 200 for those pair of skinny jeans and Skinny jeans are not something you're wearing to work for the most part. They're only items that you were wearing to be fashionable, whether you were going out to uh, some sort of establishment or nightclub or things of that nature. Some sort of event where it calls for you to look in fashion. And let's be real. Those sort of events aren't going to be an everyday occurrence. So your $250 may have garnered you maybe 10 wears uh, with those skinny jeans in a two-year period. Who knows? It might have been more. But let's do 10. So the cost per wear of those skinny jeans may have been, would have been $25. So every time you wore those skinny jeans, 
they were $25. It was $25 it cost you to wear them based on your initial price. And God forbid you gained any weight. Uh, God forbid that they went out of fashion, out of style a lot sooner than that two-year period, depending on where you purchased them. So that's why you really have to look at what, how much you're paying and what you're going to get out of them. It's about uh, not just about paying a lot of money or as little money as possible. It's also about getting the most return on your investment. Your clothing is an investment in you is an investment in you your style and what you want to present to the world so i always suggest gentlemen especially gentlemen of a certain age i can understand uh being in your 20s and whatnot when i was in my 20s everybody wanted to wear the throwback jerseys this and that and you know the amount of money that people pay for them back then uh, clearly, no one my age is wearing uh, their throwback jersey now if they still have them. So they paid two, three, four hundred dollars for something that was realistically out of style within, you know, by mid 2000s, mid to late 2000s. Well, it's not even 90s. But anyway, they didn't last long in the context of something as classic as a a navy blazer. You know, you pay three, four hundred dollars for a navy blazer, and provided that you are pretty much the same size or even can get it adjusted over the years to kind of grow with you if possible you can get a whole lot more wares out of that 250 300 400 dollars with that navy blazer than you would that throwback jersey that you purchased in the mid 90s early 2000s so that's what i want to really you know get you to think about when it comes to when you're looking for these items and that cost where it really breaks down is the cost of the item divided by how many times you get to wear it before it ultimately is something that you can no longer wear either it is just one out totally entirely you cannot fit it anymore or it is if it's something that is purchase because it's fashionable it is out of style and any gentleman really wants to look for things that are going to be versatile so you can wear in multiple occasions whether you can dress it up or dress it down but also something that's going to be of a quality that can last you providing you as far as your body can still fit it uh, that's why I'm always a proponent of, of suits and blazers uh, things that you have a somewhat higher investment cost depending on where you purchase and what sort of material they they are but it's something with that if you take care of it something that can last for decades i personally have a tux i think total 200 bucks so that's at the time shirt a jacket, pants, shoes, vest, cummerbund at the time as well, in addition to the studs. And I have no idea what happened to the shirt or the cummerbund at this point, but the jacket and the pants are still very much intact. The shoes are, are long gone by this case. Uh, so I'll just say the tuxedo itself was about 100 bucks uh, per se. And I've worn that tuxedo maybe a total of 10 times in the past 20 years so $10 per wear in an item that you know you don't wear every single day so I think it's pretty good uh, compared to say for instance that uh, Elaine the Pettit suit that I've talked about beforehand uh, but considering I got it on sale particularly the gray wool one and I take pretty good care of it I have worn that suit a good 
50 times or so, maybe not that many, but at least 25 times since I purchased it two years ago for a price of, I think it was about 50 bucks uh, total. So you're talking about $2 per wear and it's still in great shape. I still great take great care of it and it's 100% wool. So it's a material and fabric that's going to last especially as long as I take care of it. So that's something that's going to give me a lot of uh is going to give me a very good return on my investment when it comes to the cost. So that's something to think about as you go forward with your purchases and really building up your wardrobe and thinking about the future, especially as you are growing and maturing um, as a man and your sense of sensibilities change. You know, if someone in your 20s listening is your your uh, attire and what you want to present to the world is probably not going to be the same as that person in your late 20s or in your 30s. So it's something to think about now. Now as you go forward with building uh, your wardrobe and if you are already in that mindset you know something to think about as you go forward with adding to and purging from your wardrobe now talking about classic items let's get into our fragrance of the week now I have talked about about the Zed creators line from Zaharoff before and I've touched on the previous or the two of the releases in my last two podcasts, the uh, Brass and Soul with Justin Copeland, Copeland from Safe Fresh Productions and Business Over Pleasure with uh, TLTG Reviews, uh, Ross Carlos. And again, I really enjoy those fragrances and I really like them. But this one has to be my favorite of the bunch. And this one is The Siren. And this is in collaboration with Andrea Curly Scents and Zahara. And when it was revealed that it was being developed in collaboration with Andrea, a lot of people, including myself, assumed that, oh, this is going to be something that is going to be more geared toward the ladies, which would, would make sense in my opinion. But no, let me tell you, this Name this fragrance lives up to its name. It is the called the Siren for a reason. And let me talk to you about why that is after I get through the notes. So you're gonna get top notes of ginger, coriander, cardamom, and almond, mid-heart notes of coffee, leather, white moss, and dark chocolate, and then bottom notes of patchouli, lornox, cognac. Accord and vetiver bourbon. Now, let me tell you, this one is one for you to wear if you are looking to draw somebody in. It is definitely called the Siren for a reason. It is a sexy fragrance. It is definitely one if I was uh, a dating man that I would definitely wear if I am trying to close the deal if I'm out with a young lady for sure. Uh, with the ginger and and cardamom and the coriander opening you have this spiciness but it's a a very mellow spiciness in my opinion especially i think when that is uh the almond helps to subdue that spice but it's definitely one that will get your nostrils open when it is smelled uh, i this fragrance is not like Echelon for Men by Kim New York as far as his note breakdown and everything, but as far as a reaction, it lists a sort of same reaction for me and my same sort of uh, mood and even performs similarly with regards to how it emanates off of, of my skin. I can't say that this is a heavy projector, uh, but it irradiates. Let me get back to the, the notes. Now I'll explain what I mean by that. 
the coffee and the leather really uh, provides a, a really rich, seductive uh, base notes. And then you have that with the dill seal and that patchouli and that cognac and that vetiver. Uh, the mix really with the heart and the base, you get in my nose a smokiness uh, to it as well. So you, you, it's a definitely a... It's a sexy, sophisticated fragrance. I, I do not see, uh, I don't see a lot of young guys picking this one up, in my opinion. It is, it is definitely something that you have to be a certain mentality to wear this bad boy comfortably. It is not super duper strong as far as uh, uh, where it's repulsive or it, it is an acquired taste. It's just, it's grown. It's grown. It's sexy, which is why I equate it a lot to Echelon for men. Uh, Echelon, really, with that mahogany note, with the spice notes, it 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 is so seductive and sexy. And that's where I even compare it to Siren. It's seductive, it's sexy. But also, more importantly, the way the notes combine, it is not a fragrance that just blasts everything out and kind of just dries with what I've gotten so far, it sits with some of the notes and with the oils, it really emanates. It radiates from the skin with the body heat. And that's what I find with Echelon um, as well. So I'm about eight plus hours after my initial um, application. Again, I'm not even spraying. I'm just dabbing with a little sample bottle and I'm still getting wafts of the fragrance, particularly with that base notes or those base notes right now. So this is one, I, I love all three of them, but this is definitely my favorite one. I think this is the most unique of the three. Um, I think that probably because of the sort of fragrance I tend to gravitate to, I don't have many that really are in this realm, which is probably why personally I love it as much. It is a very intimate, uh, seductive, uh, somewhat smoky, smoky fragrance. I, I think that if you wear this, you will seal the deal. Um, if you don't seal the deal and while wearing this, it was you. It definitely wasn't a fragrance. So that is it for the Cyber and another episode of the Sartorial and Geek Podcast by Webster Style, where we talk about bow ties, comic books, and everything in between. I have been your host, Webster Style, the man, the voice, the fragrance. Thank you again for joining us for another podcast. Feel free to find us on Instagram at Sartorial and Geek or at Webster Style. Find us on Twitter at Webster Style. Find us on the web at WebsterStyle.com and also drop us an email at info at WebsterStyleMagazine.com. Thank you for your time. Remember, stay safe out there and be blessed. Strong, we can lift him to the sky. The party starts at 12. Get we it. got a little time, hey, time, hey, time to get hey, it on. Get it on. And no fact, I'm the type of person on. And after that, take a picture with the phone of the outfit. I'm met, I'm choosing what we on. Now it was Tree Green Tuesday. Had to be Bowtie Thursday. Had to be. White Wednesday? Uh, I don't know. Well, I know last time. Well, I wore polka dot. You didn't wear... Oh, Miss Million, them heels killing them. But I'm sure it's a Thursday. Bowtie Thursday. Pasta cream in your heels looking sharp, They acting like you don't know the rules up in the workplace. Must I remind you it was till on your birthday. Don't get me wrong, I think we killed in the birthdays. And you picked the hell of fit for the church day. Let's say you picked the wrist game. Oh, it's Can like... Now you got the floor filled with bras that you purchase. Pick a color scheme that can match the very corset. Yeah, get the very clean. Get it, 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 get it,
should have all that styling. Take it off, clothes on the floor piling. No one girl should fit it all in them jeans. So take it off and let me see what's under them scenes. Cause no one man should have all that styling. Take it off, clothes on the floor piling. No one girl should fit it all in them jeans. So take it off and let me see what's under them scenes. Let's see what it seems. If it is what it seems. Do it again. Uh, not, chicks be looking thick leggings, you know what I mean? I don't, I don't know. Take a hint, though. Don't try to get me at a moment. No. Moment, though. Smoking hot, rocking this pen. So oh. thin. Tie hairline, looking like a skin. So oh. pimp. No lie, I'm shopping than a utensil. So and stroke, mental. Plain dang, homie. I was hoping we could walk out with that bang, bang, honey. See them plain James, honey. Get them lame friends, honey. We tell it, fit it crazy like that thing came on me. Hey, mommy. Look a lady, main thing. Fit popping like a main vein, running blood color lips, smashing with the hand clutch money, holding back, kinda funny. Can you tell me what's the price I got the range? Rover, hang on me. When we walking, looking Gucci like that thing sprayed on me. Walking with a lip like an ankle sprang on me. Yeah, I rocked the cardigan. She don't really want me because no one man should have all that styling. Oh, you wanted to? Oh, I completely read that wrong.